Hello, this is Alex Granado, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Today I'm sitting down with Peter Hans. He's the president of the North Carolina Community College System. Peter, thanks for being with me today. Hey, good morning, Alex. Um, and so there's a lot to cover. Uh, the community college system spans the state. It's one of our more, most important education institutions. But we are heading into the long session of the General Assembly that will uh, set up spending and legislation for the next two years. And I'm interested for, in hearing from you uh, what you hope to see out of it as far as community colleges are concerned. Sure, sure. Now, I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate the good work Ed NC does. Uh, educating its readers and viewers and listeners about everything that's going on with North Carolina education. So thank you for the chance to talk with you. Our legislative agenda is tightly focused this year on workforce development. We have some substantial needs in this area. The state has substantial needs in this area. This is our expertise. Um, as you know, the community colleges do so many things, so many roles and responsibilities, but workforce development being uh, at the top of the list. And so uh, we're asking the legislature to help support us in fully funding short-term workforce training. Uh, it's interesting uh, that over time, we have only funded workforce training at about two-thirds the level of traditional academic programs, hmm. which has led to a certain amount of uh, emphasis uh, away from workforce development. And yet, North Carolina is experiencing uh, a substantial skills gap, uh, so many open jobs, uh, people who are uh, not necessarily unemployed, but underemployed, working a couple of jobs right now uh, making only so much money that if they could upgrade their skills at community colleges uh, would be able to fill those open positions, grow North Carolina's economy while providing for themselves and their families. And that's what community colleges can do for so many North Carolinians. And it's interesting, just on that topic really quick, I was talking to somebody about you know, these announcements that are made by, by the North Carolina government about new businesses that come to North Carolina, right. you know, advanced manufacturing businesses. Everyone's really excited about all the jobs it's going to provide. But the truth is, because of the skills gap in North Carolina, often they're actually hiring people from other states to come here and work at these places. That's so, right. So this is a serious issue. Uh, it, it's a very serious issue. I hear from the business community about it a lot. I think there's a missed connection here between... Uh, the way our education system has been a little bit of a one-size-fits-all model. We've undervalued what uh, many of us refer to as vocational or occupational education, uh, when in fact there are great jobs, there are meaningful careers, wonderful opportunities uh, available to so many, uh, and yet it's a, it's a shame, really, that we've done a disservice to people by undervaluing the importance of those talents and those gifts and the dignity that comes with that work. And so uh, we had a series recently um, regarding the residency determinations that are used. Yeah, in, great in job with, with laying out all the, the various perspectives on that. And so uh, where are we with that? Are you looking for any uh, action from the General Assembly on that? Sure. Uh, as... As you know, the residency determination service, RDS, 
is uh, an attempt by the state to walk prospective students to the universities, uh, both public and private, and the community colleges through whether or not they are in-state or out-of-state for the purpose of tuition. And uh, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, a very bureaucratic process, and a lot of our potential students are caught up in that process, trying to document various things, and they may have family backgrounds which don't enable them to provide all the paperwork and have it handy. Uh, the, the situation gets very complicated very quickly. I mean, it's, it's a great example of simple idea, legitimate public policy interest in determining who's in-state and out-of-state residents, uh, good idea but unintended consequences. We had over 5,000 students last year begin to register for community college uh, classes, uh, but dropped out of the RDS system uh, before completing it because it was just too burdensome, too cumbersome. And I think about, well, what did we really accomplish with that? 5,000 students who could be enrolled in community college, bettering themselves, again, providing for their families, strengthening their communities, and we've, we've imposed this uh, hurdle for them, uh, erected this barrier, and no, there are no ill intentions here by the state. Again, legitimate public policy interest in determining this, but it's had the unfortunate unintended consequence of denying those North Carolinians a chance to further their education. And so um, are, are you hoping to see changes from the we General are, Assembly? We are. We're, we're talking with the General Assembly. We're talking with the other education sectors to try to think through uh, how uh, can it be improved, uh, how we can lessen the burden on the students. I mean, think about if you come from uh, a family that uh, has moved around a lot or you're estranged from your parents and yet you're being required to provide all this documentation about what your parents are doing and their, uh, re their residence and, uh, you know, there are so many different scenarios, really heartbreaking scenarios where uh, people are getting caught up in this dragnet and it's unfortunate. And I think we'll find some reasonable accommodations to lessen that burden and still meet the state's interest in determining who's in-state and out-of-state. And part of the issue, too, is that these are residency determinations that apply both to, to traditional four-year universities and to community colleges yes. who serve vastly different populations. Exactly right. The, the residency determination service was established really with the traditional 18 to 22-year-old college student in mind. So many of our students are adult learners, uh, just different life journeys. It's not set up to make it easy uh, for them. Uh, it wasn't established with them in mind. This orig originated because different universities were giving different answers to different students about whether they were actually in-state or out-of-state residents. And so, again, understandable why it was established. It just, the implementation of it is so restrictive, it's so burdensome, that it's had this unfortunate consequence of the, those adult learners and many others with 
very understandable, very sympathetic uh, situations, just being unable to navigate the higher education maze. And that's, that's to nobody's benefit. And uh, another issue that's probably going to come up is uh, House Speaker Tim Moore is uh, proposing to, to file legislation uh, for a school building bond. Yes. Um, and a lot of that's going to go to K-12, but I think there's $300 million of it that's that right. is proposed to go to community colleges for facilities. Um, so is there a great need for facilities upkeep, new facilities, that kind of thing? In the uh, community indeed college indeed there is, and we're appreciative to the speaker and the House leadership for putting forward this idea that would include – uh, I think about $1.3 billion for public schools, $300 million for community colleges, and 300 for the UNC system. We have uh, tremendous needs uh, in repair and renovation of existing facilities, uh, need for new facilities and high-demand uh, programs, uh, as well as a substantial technology component that uh, the speaker and his team seem willing to uh, explore through this bond issue uh, that could benefit the every college in our system by improving business operations, uh, services for students, being uh, us being able to make more data-driven decisions uh, that could be funded through this bond package if it is successful in the General Assembly, and I certainly hope it will be. And we should probably talk about the hurricanes that have hit North Carolina this yes, year because yeah. they, they've uh, heavily impacted the K-12 through landscape, but I know they also heavily impacted the community college system. Um, how are things going with that? Are things back to normal? Is there more that needs to be done? Well, good question. Uh, the, the hurricane Florence aftermath was – very difficult for our colleges. At one point, 20 of our 58 colleges were down. Uh, there was a smaller number that experienced uh, serious impact, less so on the physical facility side, but more so on the human uh, capital uh, in terms of faculty and staff and students just being scattered to the wind by the impact of the, the storm and the flooding that followed. Many of those people, uh, their families lost homes, cars, jobs, you name it, uh, that made it very difficult for them to continue their studies. And the General Assembly was very generous in funding our request uh, for uh, cushioning the budgetary impact on the colleges in terms of the damage done to the, the college campuses, but more importantly, aid to students directly for educational expenses in hopes of keeping them enrolled. But what we don't know at this point is the actual impact on enrollment. Uh, we're funded uh, by enrollment. Uh, we want those students to continue engaged in their studies and until we get a full census accounting done of this spring semester, we won't have a f the full picture about the budgetary impact. And thus we've placed a bit of a, a placeholder in our legislative agenda, alerting the General Assembly that we may be back to you to ask for more assistance, only if we absolutely have to seek it 
uh, because they've been very supportive, and I, I credit the governor and the General Assembly for being there uh, in support of the colleges uh, in any way that they can. And so I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I would no longer call you the new president of the community college <laughs> system, but but you are still relatively new. Yeah. Um, eight and, and a half months. Well, eight months, just over eight months. Yeah. yeah. I think once you once you hit a year level, that's the official cutoff for new. Okay, for I'll newness. go with that. That's I, fair. I'm just making yeah, that yeah. up. No, I'll go with that. Um, but but I have not had the opportunity to sit down with you and, and do yeah. a podcast, and so you've been dodging me. Uh, I know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I'd like to take a minute and, and just give people the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better, sure. get to know how, how you uh, came to be interested in, in this subject at all. So, so can you give me the little Cliff Notes version of how, how you came to the community college system? Sure. Alex, I grew up in the small towns of Southport on the coast and Hendersonville in the mountains, really the town of Horseshoe. Uh, in between Henderson Mill and Brevard, but I, I say Henderson Mill because people have a better idea of where that's located. Went to school at Chapel Hill, uh, later had the opportunity to earn a master's at Harvard. I went to Capitol Hill, uh, served as senior policy advisor to three members of the United States Senate, came back to North Carolina, worked at one of the state's largest law firms, counseling the private sector on public affairs. Uh, the General Assembly elected me to the State Board of Community Colleges back in 1997, where I served a six-year term, was elected vice chair of the board by my colleagues. The legislature elected me to three terms on the UNC Board of Governors, uh, where I served as vice chair and chair of the board. Spent two years helping UNC System President Margaret Spellings, before becoming president of the community college system in May of 2018. And what a wonderful opportunity uh, to wake up every day and think about how you can support those 700,000 students in the system. And our 58 colleges, all located throughout the state within a half hour drive and 95% of the population, the 35,000 faculty and staff who work for the colleges, and the impact they make uh, on behalf of the entire state. I'm a North Carolina boy. I love this state through and through, every nook and cranny. Uh, and I know of no institution uh, that makes a greater impact on more North Carolinians. And that excites me. That is joyful uh, in my heart the experience that I have to advocate on their behalf. So I'm always interested for those of us who grew up in North Carolina and are now involved in education in some way, how our childhood experiences uh, uh, inform sure. uh, how we do our jobs now. So, you know, I grew up in Wake County public schools. I went to Cardinal Gibbons, a private school, went to UNC, went to community college. So, so I'm informed by all of these things. Um, Growing up in Hendersonville, what, what, what do yeah. you take away from that, and what, what kind of sticks in your head as you do your job today? You know, I think growing up in rural North Carolina, I have a deep appreciation for the fact that there aren't as many uh, opportunities uh, for our citizens, and unless the education infrastructure exists through the community colleges, through the public schools and universities as well. I'm a product of both and a strong supporter of all three. 
but focused on community colleges right now as the education infrastructure that serves the entire state to lift people up, to provide meaningful careers that enable them to stay in those communities and help those communities grow and prosper. Uh, the urban areas are likewise benefit from that community college education infrastructure. Uh, it's just, I know they have the wind at their back in many instances, living here in Raleigh. Uh, I, I, I see the benefits of an economy that's growing, people moving here, so many opportunities. I want to extend those opportunities to all 100 counties in our state. And the community colleges are the best avenue for doing so. So I want to ask you, I've had, as I mentioned, some experience in the community college system, and it was kind of a multifaceted experience. I was was both trying to become an EMT at one point, and then at another point trying to transfer to a four-year university. And so I have kind of both of those views. And so talk a little bit about um, the multifaceted nature of community colleges and um, the struggle of getting people to understand what's available. It is a challenge, Alex, because community colleges have so many roles and responsibilities. You tend to think of uh, community colleges in one bucket or another. We're uh, junior college. Uh, we're uh, vocational education. We're basic skills that involve uh, English as a second language classes, literacy, um, high school equivalency. Uh, we're doing all those things, plus uh, many economic development roles, such as apprenticeships or bio-network or customized job training, etc., uh, that as a comprehensive institution, and this is why we're the third largest community college system in the country with 700,000 students, only behind California and Texas, not because North Carolina's population is third in the country, but because... Our community college system fulfills all of these roles uh, in a way that most states' community colleges do not. And that becomes a communications challenge. I think we're probably not reaching as many potential students as we could as a result of that because they're unclear about what paths are available to them within the community colleges. Now, you asked about my experience, and I think about uh, uh, growing up in, in my little high school in Henderson County that the opportunity to go to Blue Ridge Community College and earn an associate's degree and transfer those credits into a four-year institution, public or private, is a very, very affordable way to earn a four-year degree save tens of thousands of dollars, do so, start out close to home, ease into the college experience. What a wonderful opportunity to be successful. Students that do that, that earn their associate's degree, graduate at a higher rate than students who start at a university to begin with. There's also the workforce training uh, opportunities that we talked about because A four-year degree should be available uh, to anybody, that opportunity to pursue it, but it's not always the right path for them or the right path for them at that point in their life. 
And so those workforce training opportunities throughout one's career, because technology changes, you people have to upgrade their skills, uh, develop new ones, uh, brush up their skills, you name it. Those paths exist within the community colleges, as well as the chance to to help those who've been left behind and maybe left out uh, achieve the, the basic skills they need to be successful in life. So we're, we're trying to do all of these things. And it makes me incredibly proud that we do that. What a broad mission that you see reflected in every college and everybody that works at one of these community colleges. They're not doing it for the money. They're doing it for the love and the, and the joy of the work helping their fellow brothers and sisters up. And uh, you, it seems like you mentioned the communications challenge, and it seems like part of the way to address that is a way that is being addressed, which is more collaboration between uh, community college yes. system, the university system, and the K-12 system. Um, for instance, yes. um, cooperative, innovative high schools uh, that expose students in high school to the community college system while they're still in high school. I don't know if that existed when I was in high school. If it did, I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, me either. But, uh, but what a great way to get students to see this opportunity that they might not know about otherwise. I love telling people, because it's such a surprising fact, that we have 50,000 high school students enrolled in the community college system. That, that, that stuns most people. But it is a wonderful opportunity for high school students to earn college-level credit, to be exposed to college-level coursework, to take classes they might not uh, be able to take in their high school, uh, whether it's a career training class or uh, some advanced college coursework. Take those credits, um, pursue an associate's degree at a community college, all goes into a four-year degree if you want to follow that path. Again, saving so much money. We know affordability is a key, key issue uh, for so many students and their families. Community colleges are a wonderful vehicle for reducing the cost of higher education while maintaining high quality. And it's so important to be well-aligned with the public schools and the universities, both public and private. That's a key part of my mantra as I'm out talking is simplify, align, and accelerate. Simplify our processes, whether it's the ones that we've developed or been imposed upon us, like we talked about RDS earlier, to align with our partners in the public schools and the universities and the business community and accelerate the number of North Carolinians that have education credentials beyond high school so they can be successful in life and work. That was a great answer because it um, already answered the question I was going to ask next. Which I was is, reading your mind. You were reading <laughs> my mind. So I was going to ask, uh, you know, eight to nine months in, what does the future hold for community colleges? That was a good answer for that. But I, but I have a similar question related. Um, so you're early, but you're in charge of this big system. It's going to be transforming over your tenure. Uh, do you think about legacy, what, what you want people to say about your time as president? No, um, I really don't. Uh, but I think I have, as I mentioned before, the wonderful opportunity to advocate on behalf of our colleges. 
but the real work's being done at that level uh, at the 58 colleges, and I'll proudly ride along with them in their successes because they're the ones who deserve the credit. I'm the guy sitting in Raleigh uh, trying to help them and support them, but they're the ones doing the hard work. Well, Peter, thanks so much for talking with me. No, thank you, Alex. Appreciate the opportunity. You've been listening to Peter Hans. He is the president of the North Carolina Community College System. And I'm Alex Granados, senior reporter for Education NC. And you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>